Hello and welcome to episode 76 of Hearty Dice Friends. I'm Grant Howard and I'm joined today in the flesh by Christopher Edward Taylor. Chris, physical edition Taylor. It's it's really, I, I, I backed a little bit extra on the Kickstarter. It was I've worth it, him. I think. It was, I, it was worth it to make me real. I've got the softback edition. <laughs> Thanks. The hardback edition, I, I, I don't, I don't want to... spineless see. edition. <laughs> Oh, we're saying your back's made of soft, yielding flesh, not like a turtle shell. Oh, I want a turtle shell. No, you don't. I want to be a turtle. You're already lazy enough. Imagine. I want to be an actual turtle. Emma, you would do well as a turtle. I would do so well. Now, I, don't, I, I want you to take this in the kindest possible way, but I think your face would look good going in and out of a shell. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a little I, hurt, but I, I, you're not wrong. I think you've got the face for it. I, I do. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just worried that you already don't like moving, and with the added weight of a shell. But to be fair, yeah, tortoises, nippy little buggers, not as nippy as humans. No, they're smaller, Grant. Yeah, well, rabbits are head in the game. Rabbits are smaller. Head in the game, but they're faster. That's true. Maybe they're bigger than humans, but further away. That is true. I've never, I've never come within arm's reach of one. No, Um, I, I think. I would rather be a turtle than a tortoise. So you could, you could do some swimming as well. Do some majestic swimming. Yep, that's and then, fair. And then like squirt at a load of eggs in a beach. <laughs> and then have all of your young devoured before they reach the water. Mm. Some. Most. 99%. That's why I squirted out so many eggs from my gross ovipositor. Yes. Greasy eggs. <laughs> Otherwise they'd stick. They would stick. You need mm. them to slip and slide on the sands. If you could have an omelette of any animal, what would it be? I would like a putu. A putu omelette. Omelet. I imagine they have quite a bitter egg. A round bitter egg. Yes. Oh no, what's the what's the, the kiwi bird that doesn't fly? Is that a putu? No, that's no. a um kakapo. Kakapo! I want a kakapo omelette. Man, that's that's like the most dangerous omelette. That, that would be amazing. <laughs> like, there's so few eggs. <laughs> <laughs> like it would it would have the the, the the refined taste of near extinction. It looks like they've got kind of a piney taste, like, like almost like a barky texture. Yeah, they have mosca on them like sloths. I was watching some kakapo on on the YouTube. Mm, was it was was it the one that was fucking that guy's head? No. Oh, okay. No, it? it was just like a, a, a sorry nature. mounting. It's not like he. You know, yeah. Um, it was just them just going about their daily business. Right. And, yeah. Um, you can see why they're going extinct. Why is that? Because they can't fly. Why well, suck? They're just the worst. And all of their food is at the top of a tree. You, did it explain how they breed? No. I'm not sure whether I've done this on the podcast before, but I'm going to, like, if you don't remember. I don't remember, no. The male or the female, I forget which. The one which gives out the fuck call. Yeah. Builds a big, like, finds a divot in the ground. Mm-hmm. Or like, maybe, like, digs it out themselves on, on, as, as high as they can get up. And then goes, and yells. And like, like, I'm ready. Fuck me. Yeah. And then that, that, like, the reason they dig into the divot is because it projects. Oh, it acts like a sound booster. It acts like a sound booster. So it can project up to, like, three, four miles away. Okay. Now, that enables them to reach Kakapo, which are three, four miles away. What's the problem with Kakapo that are three, four miles away? They've got to walk. Yeah, by which point the lady gets bored and goes away. (laughs) (laughs) They're just awful. On the subject of stupid animals, before we really get into this podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. we were watching Dickie Attenborough. Daddy, Fa- Daddy Fattenborough. Daddy Fattenborough last night. Mm-hmm. 
And there was a creature on there called the Saiga, which has come up before. Oh, yeah. Which are lovely, lovely creatures. There's, if, if you've gone on our Discord, there's quite a few pictures of them in, in Oh, did in you there. post them? No, I didn't, but oh, okay. they've been in there historically. Um, but these creatures are ridiculous and also Waluigi. Yeah. The, the noise they make is wah, wah, wah. They look like Martian, de- Martian deer. Yes. Martian. Martian. I like that. Martian boo? Welcome to the Martian embassy. <laughs> we all have dicks for noses. Because <laughs> they got dicks for noses. Yeah, they kind of got dicks for noses, yeah. They, they definitely have foreskin for noses. It's a little bit dicky. They're not cut. No. Uh, but they're very cute. The little ones are very nice. They are. They're lovely. And they run around a lot. Better than goats. Nope. Yep. Incorrect. Nope. Okay, shall we start the show? Let's start the show. This episode, we thought we would uh, give back to the community that supported us so well by taking a great deal from them. Yes. <laughs> take, take, take. That, that's our motto. We, um... <laughs> take, take, take. Take, take, take. Take, 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 take. take, take that the fan base. So, what I'm cutting that, what we wanted to do was ask... Ask the Patreon to give us some questions, yep. and then we would answer them. And boy, did you lot deliver. Over-deliver. Too many questions. Too many spadefuls. Most of them good, yeah. as well. Well done on that count, by the way. Yeah, because like generally you're like, oh, can I some questions? And people are like, oh, hats. Oh, that was one of the questions. <laughs> that was literally a question, oh, yeah, gone. wow. Question. Yeah. The disrespect. <laughs> but these, these, what I'm saying is, you can ask whatever questions you like, but some of them are easier to make into excellent content. Certainly. So that was good. But on that subject, hats? <laughs> I'm anti-hat. You're anti-hat? I look terrible in hats. That's no reason to be anti-hat. It is. If it doesn't directly benefit me, I'm anti. <laughs> I love hats. But like you, I was cursed with this giant weird shaped head. Yes, it is an issue. I do have one hat that fits me. I'm looking at it right now. It's a multicoloured rainbow wizard hat. Mm. And it literally fits everybody because I can get my leg in it, girl. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't. Well, somebody... I've got to finish somehow. <laughs> I use it as a, as a depression cure. <laughs> and it uh, clearly works. And Well, listen. I also use powerful anti- <laughs> antidepressant drugs. Yes. But if I'm ever feeling very, very sad and I need immediate control, I put on my multicolored wizard hat I got at a festival. Mm-hmm. And it's not that that's intrinsically cheering, but more, I go and look in a mirror... And if you've got a really sour face and a wizard hat on, it just doesn't make sense. But also, that's quite funny. It is quite funny. So that that works quite well. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's a. I, I can recommend one to everyone. Yeah, get a big wizard hat. Yeah. Um, ask me a question, Chris. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna you're gonna hear me move a little bit closer to the mic now because I'm quite far away from the monitor and I, I need, and my new glasses yeah, aren't here yet. Chris can't see shit. So Samuel asks, "What are your thoughts on Shadow of the Demon Lord's exclusion of elves as a playable race?" Mm. So Shadow of the Demon Lord, it has elves as fairies. Yeah, yeah, they are woodland folk. An antagonist, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the right word, but it has them very much as other. What's this Demon Lord I hear so much about? The Demon Lord is is seeking to to break through into our world. Oh man, what's wrong yeah. with this world? Well, it's awful, probably. Okay. And so the elves are simply off to one side of all yes. this. Um, and I'm, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of, of RPGs that cut, well not cut, that remove something from the players and give it to the game. I'm, I'm all for limiting players. Yep. I think that one of the issues we have with your Pathfinders and your late 
late cycle Dungeons and Dragons yep. is that you have too much choice. And so it's bewildering. It, one, it's bewildering, and it, like it's impossible to make informed decisions once you hit a certain point without doing hours and hours of research. Yeah. But the other thing is, when players show up and it's like, "Oh, make a character," you're not going to get a coherent group out of that. No, no. It, it, you can kind of make it work if everybody's there at character creation yeah. and they're all you can working together. But mechanically, there's nothing which governs that. Mm. And so being able to have... Well, there's no elves, because elves are creepy weirdos that live in the forest and eat children. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what Simbaroom does. Yeah. Um, it makes I'm them... thinking of Simbaroom. Mm. Shit. That's fine. It's Goblin Shadow the Demon Lord has, isn't it? Goblin... Shadow has, Demon Lord has you, goblins. You have like, but you have, like, fey goblins. Yeah. I got confused between the two. Go on. It's fine. But, I mean, I'll talk about Simbaroom, because I actually know that's slightly better than Shadow the Demon Lord. Um... The the elves are dangerous and wild, yeah, um, and they are kind of the personification mm. of the setting mm. because the um, the forest is, is called Davakar and it's massive and it's where the game is set, yeah, um, and they are the keepers and maintainers of that, and it, it it wouldn't make any sense for a playable character to be an elf, no. And I, I really like the fact that they've just gone, eh, you know what, it makes more sense that the players can't be these, but can interact with them. Um, and it just strengthens their setting quite a bit. That was the thing which always bothered me about Dark Heresy. Mm-hmm. In that you've got ex-police officer, yep. ex-guardsman, um, ex-contract killer, who have all teamed up to do valuable violent work for the Inquisition. Yeah, But also there is a wizard... <laughs> and a tech wizard, often an illegal wizard, an illegal wizard. Well, yeah, I, I think like most of the ones you have in, like you, you have to buy upgrades to get your wizard made illegal, right? But you have a legal wizard who's been to Earth and back and had all sorts of weirdness done to them, and then now whenever they do a thing, there's a one in ten chance that just the world shits itself inside out. Yeah, and it's just such a weird shit. It's like, like. You, you should def- like psychers are definitely part of the forty k universe. Mm. I'm entirely down oh, with that. For sure. But it should be like, oh, you have to escort this psyker through, or you have to deal with this psyker. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it feels a little bit like having a standard D and D adventuring party. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they all kind of mesh a little bit, but then one of the characters has a prestige class, or one of the characters is a fire dwarf. Yeah, and you're like, why are you here? Yeah. Surely you've got better things to be doing? Some sort of lasers to be throwing and fire and whatnot? Yeah, and it's like... I think also, once you start messing with... like uh, Adeptus Mechanicus characters, not so much, but once you start messing with the rules of space and time, it becomes quite difficult to govern that next to... Here's a man with gun. Yeah, He pull trigger true. gun, make noise, bullet come out. Loud bang. Loud bang. What do you do? Oh, I can bend time. Yeah. I'll go home, I guess. What do you think I should do? Well, I've just flexed time, so you're already at home. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> Zimralim asks, if you got to design a Hearty Dice Friends perfume, what would it smell like? Um, booster packs. Oh, they do smell nice, don't they? The, the, the opening of a fresh booster pack or a brand new book. I'd probably go for coffee. Coffee? Not brewed coffee, but like when you stick your snoot right in freshly ground coffee. <laughs> Huff it. Huff that coffee. So I suppose like like opening a fresh booster pack and there's coffee inside rather than cards. <laughs> Neither of us are happy. This isn't sanitary. No. 
Uh, my I suppose it's HDF rather than role playing, isn't rather it? Rather than us. Mm. Oh, okay. Rather, rather than so it's our particular brand. Yes. What a dick smell like. <laughs> <laughs> like clean dicks. I still don't think we can market that. Okay. <laughs> well, it's happening. It's happening. Um, there was that. There was that um, Swedish perfume which smelled like a lady's private area. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did not know that was it a thing. Smell, um, you know, musky. <laughs> <laughs> the expression like, on your face is priceless. Smell like uh, salty milk and coins, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, it's been a decade since I've heard that. I, the interesting thing, so Mary, my partner, is into a great deal of um, Black Phoenix alchemy yes. power stuff. Which So uh, she has a load of different vials of different um, oil-based perfumes rather than alcohol-based perfumes. And there's an awful lot of like, oh, this smells, and she has it divided up by colour. Which I can't... This smells red. Yeah. This one smells golden. How? I don't understand. It smells like moss. There's a level of connoisseurship that I just don't grasp. Yeah. Like, tasting I can understand. We have words for that? Yeah, but even, like, people get really into wine. Yeah. And they're like, well, this this has a heady scent and butterflies mm. and rainbows and whatever. And I was like, this is... A five dollar wine. Mm-hmm. This is seven fifty. <laughs> you know that, the, that that's that's the level of my palate. We went out for dinner recently, and the waiter poured the wine into my glass first. I've never had it happen to me oh, before. No. You just have to nod. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is just gently lift the glass, smell it, uh-huh. and then pour it on the waiter, <laughs> and then place it down and say yes. That's how you do it. Pick it up, swirl it around the glass. So this is wine, you say? <laughs> oh, where's it from? A little sip, spit it all over your your dining part. Mm. So that's not Ribena. <laughs> this beer is off. <laughs> He's wearing at the cap. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I capped my eardrums. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. I had, I had a hard plosive. You did. So hearty dice for would smell like spat out red wine. Yes. You know what? I'm trying to think if, like, if we go for a funny answer or one that might actually sell. Well, I mean, the accurate answer is it probably just tastes like wine and sadness. Yeah. Because we drink a lot of wine. Cigarettes. Tobacco, not cigarettes. Yeah. There'd be a hint of tobacco. Yes. And whatever you're vaping. <laughs> apple pie. Currently, it's apple and cherry. Apple and cherry. I'll, you, you seem to go for the more... Crisp gum flavours. Yes, I, lot, like, I like the fruity flavours. A lot of my friends are into cereals or I crumbles or pies. Uh, they're awful. Just die. They do all taste pretty much the same. Largely. Mm. But when you get when you start getting pastry flavours, they just go... Oh, it seems like... Oh, it's, it's I, kind can't, of, I can't. really can't describe it other than that noise. Oh. Ask me a question. Okay, I'll again move a little closer. <laughs> Should I copy these into a document and make them bigger? <laughs> could you print Grandad. them? Could you print them out for the old? I can print them out if you'd like. Uh... So after that little cut, Grant has actually made the questions readable for old man Taylor. They're, they're readable for people with young, sprightly eyes like me. Yeah. My eyes are shot now. Oh, I'm too old. I smoked oh. too many cigarettes and all the smoke got in my eyes. Shouldn't have done it through my tear ducts. Oh, I thought I was being cool. No. Rolling my eyes around to create a vacuum. <laughs> and sucking it in. Crying smoke rings. 
Oh, that'd be cool. Wouldn't that be rad? Anyway, Sal R says, Hello! <laughs> I enjoy the exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. When designing mechanics for games, how much consideration do you give to hard factors like probability curves, etc., versus soft factors like feels good to roll a fistful of D6s? So... Between us, we're very much hard cop, soft cop. <laughs> yes, we are. And Chris is a hard cop. Mm. He's permanently erect. Just constantly. It's a genuine problem. Um, Four it, hours, they say. It's like, been two like years. Knocking coffee cups off tables. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm soft. Flaccid. Permanently. Limp. Um, it's a, You know what? It's something which we're living with, both of us. The, it's, it's, our, it's our own cross the bow. Yep. If anything, I think I got the better end of the deal. <laughs> Never get mine caught in the door. But I do have somewhere to hang the washing. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I like the sensation of a big handful of D6. Throwing them around. I like pools. I like marking checkboxes. I like having the ability to lay out uh, mechanics on a table and have people see them. That's one of the things I like about one-page games is that like you can have everything there and everyone can see it. Yep. There's no there's no hidden rules. Um, and I write games to be played around a table. I don't write games for online play. No, that's that's very fair. You you make community experiences. You're right there. <laughs> it's just the screaming child. There upstairs. is there is some crying. I can't wait to move out of this goddamn flat. <laughs> Soon time come. Anyway, um, whereas I prefer, as you say, the hard factors like probability curves. Yes. Like, I kind Those of... hard curves. I, I kind of enjoy trying to make a game that functions a little bit like a video game, in that the maths is in the background. Mm. And the system just works with minimal input. I often struggle to get there, because the maths has to be done by a human. Yes, no, that like, is very true. You can do the maths beforehand, but that's kind of how you end up with Shadowrun. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, together we kind of combine those two Yeah, we form approaches. one functioning game designer. It works out pretty well. It does. Um, but, like, as to how much consideration we give, we actually give a lot of consideration to both. Yeah, that's fair. Because if you don't look at things like the hard factors of probability curves, etc., 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 then there's a chance that your game just falls apart at the first look. Yes. And if it doesn't feel good, it's not a fun game. It's one of the things which I have always espoused is even when you're writing for playtest, you should get some fluff in there. Because fluff is part of the game. I'm like calling it fluff is maybe... is definitely dismissive. Yes. Of, the, Sitting. of, of my job. <laughs> um, but... Setting and fiction, I suppose, as yeah. opposed to mechanics, are really important. And without fiction, it's just a it's just a game. Yes, it's just, a, it's just a, it basically without fiction, it's a bad uh, war game. Yeah, fair. And so having fiction, like when I was designing play, um, primetime murder justice, even though I didn't need to, which was a ultra violent um, board game. Yeah, um, it was okay. Uh, even though I didn't need to, I drew out all the cards. I drew I drew little character portraits. I drew pictures of the weapons and the terrain and the monsters because I wanted to have the experience come close. And also, like I named things, and we had like I, I want to try and give an idea of the experience because that's that's an intrinsic part of playing a game. Yes. Um, now sure. you can go too far and commission art well before you've got mechanics sorted out. Yeah. Yes. I I uh, I playtested playtested this guy's game. Um, oh, about two years ago now, I think two and a half years ago, and he he'd got a load of art commissioned, 
and he'd spent thousands of pounds getting this art commissioned and then tried to write a game for it. Oh my. And it was like this really cool sort of like Day of the Dead stuff and he had like a living version, the dead version of every character. Right. And he sort of like, you could go back and forth. And we played it and it wasn't very good. And then and then we were like, so how long is this game? I don't understand. He's like, oh, I just kind of wrote it because I had this art. And I'm trying to work out something to do with the art. So you've gone about this so wrong, dude. That is not cool. Like you have to... You have to have something. Yeah, you need the the support structure of of hard factors mm. and the gloss veneer of soft factors. It's a weird balance to be in, actually, because like soft factors matter so much more in role playing games than they do in, say, computer games. Yes, um, computer games need to, the computer games need to be juicy. As mm-hmm. it were, they need to have nice feedback. They need to feel good to play. They need to have like the buttons need to be in the correct positions, and they need to needs to be responsive. Yep. But that's 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 separate from the core mechanics, which make the game worth playing. Yeah. Like, a game can be as juicy as you want, but it can still be a toy. Yeah, and I mean that's one of the reasons why we work fairly well together because mm. it frees up the bits of our brain that are better at different things. Yeah. Chris can't imagine a story and I've never touched a dice. <laughs> we can both do those jobs. <laughs> I don't know what a dice is. You keep mentioning them. <laughs> it's just just confusing me now. Um, but it means that Grant can quite happily put in some setting yeah. and then say, this needs rules. Yeah. And I can come in and look at that and go, okay, well, if we did this, then that yeah. would support that. And then we can both work together from to, to get to the conclusion. I think, and that's that's one of the nice things is that we can, or like Chris will have an idea which is a sentence long, and it'll be like, "Grant, can you make this a paragraph?" Yeah. Like, is this is this a section in the book? And rather than like when I write my own stuff, I'll put there, I'll put uh, rules, I guess, and then leave it there. Mm-hmm. And generally, I just end up getting rid of that because I, I don't want to bother writing rules for it. <laughs> uh, whereas with this, we have the capacity to sort of give each other some slack. Uh, to carry, take the slack. God, I don't know. what's the word with slack? <laughs> I, I don't know. Pick up the give it, we, rope. We can give each other a bit of space to do what we're best at. Yes, and a little bit more leeway in Which that. for you is World of Warcraft, and for me is not writing rules. <laughs> <laughs> Hard drugs. Look, <laughs> soft drugs. Have you know? Okay. Don't do hard drugs anymore. Ask me a question. Where do you hear about me doing all these hard drugs? I'm sitting next to a skull full of them, Grant. Yeah, right. Multiple Maz asks. <laughs> I mean, that's literally a thing. Okay, the skull is on top of the box where the drugs are kept. There's no drugs in the skull. Okay. Um, okay. Technicalities. Sorry, either of the skulls. Technicalities. Either the real skull or the resin skull. <laughs> With a D20 in its nose. Not making this up. Nope. Multiple Maz asks, are prestige classes ever acceptable? Yes. Yes, definitely. I I do have problems with prestige classes. Is it the overpowered nature of them? Yes, because, um, especially in, in D&D, because mm. analogues of prestige classes appear all over the place. Um, but <laughs> let's just, just look at the D&D ones. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a lot of good things and a lot of bad, but one of the bad things is that they're so easy to be overpowered. Yeah. Um, because you've got to do stuff to gain access, mm-hmm. the designers often thought, well, then we can make it a little bit more powerful. Yeah. And you don't need to. You need to see it as a continuation of of the levelling process. Yeah. It's like, and, now everyone can have this. Yeah. 
Um, but one of the things I really like is re- is the restrictive requirements for access, mm. because that forces you to shape your character not necessarily in an exact way, but in a certain direction. Mm. And that's that's really interesting. Like with Spire, we had the extra advances where like you have to have been arrested, or you have to have done. You have to start at a fire or something like that. Well, ours are all fictional mm. advances in that you have, like, you have to have basically all we're asking is that is that you've given platform for this development to happen. Yep. So if you want to be a private detective, you have to go and talk to the guy who runs the private detective place. Yeah. And that kind of happened in backstory. Uh, I think the thing which bothers me about your Dungeons and your Dragons prestige classes is that they are. They have mechanical representations, so like you need spot eight ranks, listen eight ranks, and there's a. For me, it feels a little bit. It brings me out. It brings me out of the um, flow of the game to be like to think several levels ahead. But like, oh, I'm investing these points, so in three levels time, I can have this rather than simply making leveling decisions based on what I'm doing at that time. Yeah, I can understand that. I I can I can agree with that. But I mean, I get that you're mad horny for planning out. It's not just that, it's, I am mad horny for it. Um, but one of the nice things is that if you, if you want to go into that, say you want to go into the Arcane Trickster prestige class. Yeah, it's rogues with spells, right? Rogues with spells, yeah. yeah. The, the only way you can get into that class is if you've already been doing that sort of thing anyway. Yes. So you need to be a bit wizardy, you need to be a bit, bit rogue yeah. you need sleight of hand, which you would have and should have anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a natural progression because it just all it's doing is specialising you down a specific road. Mm. So I don't see those as being a problem. No, I think for me they feel more like a no than a yes to the class, and like oh you must be like you must be this this this, this tall to ride. Yeah, the only one that I think is absolutely stupid is when they say you must have a strength of sixteen or something like that. I. C- it's like at that point you you have to have rolled well. Yeah, well, I mean, it used to be um, second edition. That yeah, all the base classes had stat requirements, which is like which makes sense, but it's also crazy. Yeah, like you can't be a bad fighter. Like it was really, really difficult to be a paladin or a bard. Yeah, you had to get like like four eighteens for a bard or something. Didn't you? you had you had to have four four stats above fifteen. Yeah. I believe. I can't remember exactly. But how, it was... how far they've fallen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like when you actually get access to it, they're not that good. Well, like they were... Second edition, they didn't do anything. Well, they were um, spellcaster fighters at that point, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, rather than friends. But then so were rangers. That's true. And they didn't have any requirements. Oh, okay. And, and, and they got a dog. And they got a dog. And they didn't have to whistle. And they didn't have that really stupid picture of a jester as a class picture. Multiple Maz also asks, what are the most versatile monsters to reskin for your own purposes in D&D? Uh, a humanoid. You want, you want an orc? You want um, an animal. It's probably something like a bear. Mm-hmm. Bears are good. Um, and an alien creature. Yeah. At least one. Something, something with extraordinary powers. Yeah. I tend not to go for extraordinary powers. Like those, those are all running from fiction in my in my mind. Okay. Uh, just because I can't be bothered to remember the spell list <laughs> of your own games. Uh, well, no. I mean, yes. Um, <laughs> what I used to do when I was planning Thirteenth Age is I'd go through and find a monster I like the look of, 
and then write down, write down like let's say they had a lot of hit points and high attack. I'd write down big guy, and then write down the stats, and then shooty guy yep. and weird guy. Yep. And I knew that there would be a fight involving these three kinds of guy, but I didn't know what they would be, and so I'd go in and just have the capacity to to, to insert them wherever they came up, um, which leads to a strange kind of game. It does rather, but it it works. Yeah. Goblins are great. Goblins are infinitely reskinable. Yeah. I mean, you can take a goblin and you can make it into a dog. As long as it's a small long, dragon just glue, or whatever. Just glue some hair to it. Yeah. Glue a snap to it. <laughs> take off the hat. You're like, fine. Don't, I actually don't, don't, don't reskin them. Just put a, put a disguise on a goblin. Mm. What's literally just a goblin. What about when your players discover that everything's been goblins up till now? Then that's an amazing plot point. And it's gonna great be, it's scene. Gonna be, it's going to be, it's going to be great. And then like, you give you give the uh, you give the player with the highest wisdom roll a very high check and 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 they pass and they look down and they're just three goblins in a trench coat. It's all been goblins. <laughs> three goblins hiding inside a dog's skin. <sighs> Moving front leg, back leg, and tail. <laughs> but you don't want to work the mouth. That's the front one because the front oh, yeah, the yeah. front goblin is standing in the legs and they've got like struts. No, they're just they're holding the the dog ah, head with okay. their yeah, hands yeah, yeah, and yeah. doing like a clapping motion. Yeah. The back guy is bending over like a pantomime horse. Yeah, and then there's a goblin just standing behind the dog, wagging the tail. Ah, I figured he was sitting on top of the pantomime horse, but sort of smushed up and then like wagging the tail by like 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 a like a rudder on a boat. Oh, that could work. But you've got quite a lumpy backed dog at that point. You do have a bit of a lumpy backed dog, but that's that's how dogs <laughs> She's are. My, my favorite Gwen Stefani. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then you keep digging deeper and you realise that this dungeon has actually just been built by goblins and it's very, very shoddy and it all comes out that this is just the goblin stage show that you've been trapped in. Yeah, like half the walls are plyboard. Yeah. Like, they're not they're not actually solid, they've just been painted real good. But no one's thought, well, fine, they've been painted fine. It's dark. Yeah, yeah. and no one's thought to realise, hang on, maybe, maybe this wall's just ply, hang on a sec. Once they've kind of figured it out a little bit, you have a climactic fight between the, the Uber dog and the party. And the, the dog just attacks them and knocks one of them into the walls. And the entire dungeon falls like <laughs> dominoes. <laughs> oh, no! Rats! <laughs> Is that our cue? No, the dog is just as rats come out. <laughs> but they're singing and they've got like yeah. like chimney sweep brushes. Like, yeah. For the play later. <laughs> No, we're murdering these guys. They found out. <laughs> as soon as the party finds out, everybody just goes, oh, shit, and just leaves their costumes and runs. Yeah. So and you've got just, like, like, piles of dog skins and rat skins. And, and like, the treasure chest, it was, like, it was just a load of old newspapers and then some, and, like, a little bit of gold on top. Yeah. And all the gold's gone, it's just the newspapers. <laughs> or, like, I guess, like, reusable um, shopping bags. Just like like those 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 Straw. wicker ones. I was oh yeah that could work. I, I, I was thinking just like 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 a load of plastic bags. Oh no no the reused ones are the bags for life. Those, oh yeah, those Hessian things. A Hessian tote. Yes. Hi. I'm Hessian tote. <laughs> what you here to talk to me about? <laughs> about toting Hessian, unrelated to my name. Hi, I'm Hessian tote, and I'm here to talk to you about cigarette holders. Hi, I'm nominative determinism. <laughs> Ask me a question. Mate. I will ask you a question. Derek Bindle asks, what would a goblin dating show experience be like? 
Are they dressed up as dogs or not? Well, they've got they've definitely got skin on them. Okay. Do we have a non-goblin um Silla Black character? Let's say yes. So we have we have kind of a, a wrangler. You have a moderator, yes. Yes. Um I assume an orc. Somebody strong. Silla Black Stone Fortress. <laughs> Silla Blackheart. Silla Blackheart. We've all had a Laura Laura pain. <laughs> and there's a Laura to come. But here we stand on this field of battle to find love. Beaten, but unbroken. There you will see the three contestants. Um, that? That shit. Yes, it, it's, it's the Battle of Pelennor Fields from Lycanto. <laughs> but instead of Gandalf, it's an IT um, consultant from Warwick. Yes, who's a goblin. Who is a goblin. Yeah, so I suppose like they'd have, they'd have traditional goblin jobs. Yep. Dog hunter. Um, dog slapper. Dog slapper. Dog botherer. Dog wearer. Yeah, uh, dog killer. Dogger. So that's, that's more of a hobby. Not the way he does it. <laughs> it makes some pretty coin. <laughs> Is it talking if, you, if you're a sex worker? I think it's just sex work. I think it's just tips. I don't think it's paid uh, for it. I like, see. You know. Well, gig economy, eh? Yeah, exactly. You've got to do what you can, you know? Gig economy dogging. It would be, it'd be spelled D-O-G-R. <laughs> Dogger. <laughs> Dogger. And like the advert, it would like it would be running through the shipping forecast, and then it would go, "Dogger," <laughs> and then if you could if you can imagine sound zooming in, the sound would zoom in. Dubstep starts. Yeah. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Fuck dudes in woods. <laughs> it's just this full cartina shaking and just gently banging against a birch tree. I don't like having sex not in my car. You'll love Dogger. <laughs> Sometimes I get bored of knowing the people I have sex with. Try Dogger today for free. Sometimes I just like getting fucked in the boot of a Ford Escort. <laughs> I can't finish unless my face is in a spare tire. <laughs> I just find Jacks so randy. Get jacked up. <laughs> a Dogger. It's banging in a cops. So. <laughs> The only cops you'll see is <laughs> <laughs> a small group of trees, and also Derek and Myrtle, who were police. <laughs> but now they just come to watch. But now I've got their asses hanging out of a car window. <laughs> it's such a horrible way of having sex, dogging. I mean, I get it. Like, like people have sex, and that's cool. Go and like, go and have sex, and and enjoy each other, and that's great. But there's something fundamentally unsettling it about just, group outdoors sex. It just looks genuinely uncomfortable. Yeah, like cold. Yeah, like I don't want to do anything with my jeans nasty, on. Nasty environment. A car is a terrible place to have sex. Like they're not they're designed not, for maybe that. American cars, maybe, but like English cars are small. No, yeah, and like you're in a bucket seat. You've got a smart car. Yeah, that's not happening. You'd have to lie across it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's position your ass over the. Over to the be gear fair, stick. 
I could, it, considering how small my car is, I could quite conceivably be having sex in the boot and still drive the car. <laughs> so, With your off hand. Yeah. Like, that's, that's not a problem. I had to work out, I locked myself out, so slight aside, I locked myself out of the car. Right. Because smart cars don't have a place you can put a key in. What? There's no key on the door. There's no keyhole on the doors. Oh, right. So it's, it's, it's only the electric, electric fob. Right, you have to yeah. press the button. And the battery had gone. Right. And I'm like, oh, no, this is terrible. I can't drive my car. What am I? Oh, the boot's got one. I just opened the boot, put my hand in, and opened the door. Oh, that's great. That is how small a smart car is. The other thing is, Chris is tall, but not that tall. It's, no. it's not like reaching inside like a like a... An estate car. No, like I and can sneaking your arm forward. I can physically move. <coughs> I can physically move my car mm. with the handbrake on. Like you can lift the back up and twit and tilt it. It's a mate, stupid. Mate, it's a stupid a stiff wind can physically move your car with a handbrake. And it on. does. Yes. I've been driving in a smart car when the wind blows. I like. I like it. It's very small. It is very small, but it is hilarious to drive. Yes, and. Fascinating to be a partner in that situation, <laughs> yes. having people watch these two fucking behemoths <laughs> unfold out of a smart car. <laughs> Hello there. Where's the nearest pub? <laughs> but to be fair, there's a lot of room inside. I think. Look, let's not get into this again. Let's not talk about your tiny car I love anymore. Tiny car. I love it. You could breathe it in. You could, and how? Um, I think goblin dating shows would be basically like dogging. Yes, it would be anarchic. It would be it would be like a documentary on dogging, and there would be a winner, but it would never be super clear what the rules were. Yes, and I think it would be like in, the, re- in the remains of a burned out car rather than a car they bought. Can I can I upgrade that, please? Uh, it's a documentary on dogging crossed with Funhouse. Whole lot of fun prizes to be won. Funhouse, and of course, Pat Sharp would be there. Yeah, well, he's not up to much. No. Well, what was the noise? Goblins. What was the noise? The coins made when they went. I always wanted to ride those go karts and put the put the. Uh, that, that, I think that, that was the funnest part of me. The go kart. That was collecting. the funnest. Yeah. Yeah. The most fun part. Yeah. The houseiest. Part. I went. I used to go on on adventure holidays as a youth. Yeah. And yeah, we talked about this. One right? of one of them was was a motorsports holiday. That's crazy. And they had a really extensive go kart track, which we like. It was a two week holiday, and for about four days, it was just go play on go karts. Oh. And it was just amazing. We got four hours a day just, just, going hog just wild. doing whatever the fuck we wanted with go-karts screaming around at 20 mile an hour. Sounds... <sighs> Which, when you're young, is really fast. And also, like, also, like, you've got no armour and you're very close to the ground, so yeah. it feels pretty fast now. Yeah, and like the amount of people that just flew into the, yeah. into the hay bales the number of the children side. that died. It was great. Anyway, we need a new question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We need, we need Grant to scroll down so all Papa Taylor can read. Claire asks, how do you create a sense of geography and distance in a game without wasting a bunch of time dwelling on boring travel stuff? In particular, it seems very easy for spire districts to start feeling like they're next door to each other. And I'm sorry, because I do this. I don't like that valid criticism of our game. No, 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 it's it's more about of my GM's stuff. Oh, what's this? Um, I'm very bad at the travel sections in games. They're not very interesting. No, they're not. But... I could do more to make them more interesting. And instead, what I do is I skip over them. Yeah. Um, and one of the issues there is that, as Claire says, mm. it it removes that feeling of geography and it removes that feeling of distance and toil mm. involved. 
um, that even like a cursory explanation could probably counter. <laughs> no, um, no, you're just there. But I just say you get there and. Um, and actually, this is an interesting, interesting point because you talk about geography and distance. One of yeah. the other problems I have, I have is time. Yes. Geography, distance and time and, cr- and creating and maintaining that feeling of those three factors mm. without it being A, a burden and B, shit. So I think we can go back to the fundamental idea in, in role-playing games, which is people care about other people. Yep. That's the... And, like, there's de- there's definitely grades of that going up and going down. And, like, some people care about making their numbers get bigger. But from a from an interesting plot point of view, it's other people. Yes. And so I think what I try to do in these situations is think what people are there and what sort of encounters they could have with them. And inspire. It's as easy as, like, okay, you want to move to this territory. It's not friendly territory. Make me a compel low society check to get through safe. Yeah. Or make me a sneak low society check to sneak through without being spotted. And then you've got mechanics right there to on like on a partial on 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 a partial success, you take some stress, but you get through as you have to you know um, hide out for a day. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, um, relying on mechanics in that situation is a very good way of doing it. Well, we've written an excellent game, Christopher. Well, no, just, I mean, generally. Oh, right. Um, whereas previously what you get in very old D&D, and indeed modern D&D, I guess, is the Wandering Monster Table. Which has its place, but yeah. Which has its place, but it's what it's designed for, essentially, is to show that there is peril on the, on the path. Yeah. Um, and that there is something in the middle of important places, mm. like between important things. Yeah. Um, but what it does is it slows the game down because you have to do a fight. It's it, it is it is a random encounter. It doesn't lend any weight to the main story. It doesn't it doesn't add to narrative unless it's a really interesting thing where you're looking at ah goblins are starting to encroach, and like and you start meeting more and more more dangerous goblins. That's the mark of a good GM. Is mm. to take these random elements and combine them and say, "Well, um, there are goblins. Why are there goblins in the story against elves? Okay, put this together. Let's explain why they're here, rather than well, they're just goblins. Yeah, well, they're just boars." But I kind of, I kind of appreciate games that very much look at the travel, yeah, of their games. Like, I mean, this is an extreme example, but the One Ring, yeah, because it's a story about travel one third certainly yeah but there, there's a specific phase of the game that is travel yeah um and things like red markets do it as well dungeon they, world does it quite dungeon cleanly world, yeah but they they mechanize it mm. and they make it um as simple or as complex as the as the game world needs to to make it interesting mm. but like i mean red markets kind of extracts it out to you're going to lose something because yeah. you're traveling you're going to your resources will dwindle. Yeah, how and which resources? That's that's what it becomes. You, and like and like you and like you spend more time. You spend more resources moving than you do staying still. Yeah, I think that the the challenge you have is, oh, we get a fight we didn't want, mm. and that's not, and that's not hugely interesting. It's a bit like every stealth check. Oh, oh, I get a fight I didn't want. Yeah, I think basically using the room using the rules to sort of frame a scene around it rather than um, you fail your stealth check cool the guards find you have a fight it's you fail your stealth check and now you're trapped in a room with some guards yes um, how, do do? how are you going to get out um, you have the option to fight however you don't have to there are other ways basically it's give it, it's it's if you think of that initial role as a how well does this go for you 
mm-hmm. check. Yeah. And then you then then you skip to the most interesting part of what happened. And it might be that nothing interesting happens, but whatever you shouldn't roll the dice unless something interesting is going to happen. So it's also possible to get a benefit out of that. It's yeah. also possible, like it's it's possible to get in to get in clean and learn something. Or like, let's say, for example, um, you roll a critical success and you're crawling across a roof and you hear the guards have a conversation that uh, it, it reveals some information about it. But every time you roll a dice, something should change. Yes, is my fundamental belief. Yeah, something should be altered by what you've just done. Mm. Can you ask me a question? Then? I'm going to because I've asked loads. You have asked loads, yeah. Sal asks, you have an unlimited budget to run a LARP. What would you run? Oh my god. Unlimited budget. Unlimited budget. Actually, you know what? Not unlimited budget. Million. And we have to spend it on a LARP. Because unlimited budget, I would probably LARP France. <laughs> One-to-one scale replica. It's a, it's a LARP now. I'm in charge. <laughs> I think that's called annexing, isn't it? I think that's that's war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if I had, let's let's still keep unlimited budget, but keep it fairly reasonable because, like, so it's still limited. Yeah. Okay. But like, not just a million, but like an astronomical number, because I would like to do a sci-fi LARP. Okay. With, in space. Not necessarily in space, but can you imagine like the all the sets of red dwarf active at one time? That is interesting. Like the size of a mining ship. Something colossal. Actually, so, like, actually build a, like, a football pitch size arena. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely massive, with working lifts. Yeah. And multiple levels. Sat in, like, a, a sound stage. Yeah, to and I think, I think honestly, like, 90% of the budget's going to go on set dressing mm. and building the set. Because... That's the one, fun part of LARP, I guess. Well, not just that, but it's... One of the nice things about LARP is that if you're in the right environment, it's very easy to fall into the characters. Yeah, for sure. Um, I found, like, the the few times that I've indulged in LARP, I've either been in a field... Or indulged in, in LARP. I've either like been, it's opium. I've either, yeah, I've either been in a field with a load of people standing around watching... Drinking cans of Carlsberg. Yeah. And you can see just Normos walking by. Yeah, and, like, half the people have a foam sh- a foam shield, a foam sword, and a Slayer t-shirt Fucking on. Fucking jeans on. Yeah. And, like, nobody really gives a shit. And that doesn't really draw you into the character. No. And if you're in a convention centre, it's not a great setting for it because it looks like a convention centre. That's always my problem with Vampire Warp. Mm. Like, you can... Like, you, you can say as much as you want about it, but at the end of the day, we look like 22-year-olds who are wearing our first suit. Yeah. We've come here to pretend to be vampires. Whereas, you, be friends? Take that no. s- you take that same convention centre and you turn the lights off, you can't tell anymore that it's a convention centre. You, you, all you know is that it's an echoey hallway. Yeah. And that instantly becomes scary and you instantly start interacting with it in that fashion. So having these incredibly lavish settings... Yeah. I think would make for a very interesting LARP. I think so. And then, like, then, like, then, then there are some people who do that. There are people who like hire pirate ships and who hire churches. Pe- people I know have hired churches for weekend-long LARPs. That's wonderful. Um, and I think that unfortunately we do live in a, in a world with a, with a limited budget. Yes. So I think I have things I'd rather spend my money on. And also, LARP doesn't make money. No, from what I can, like, there's, I think there's ten people in the world who make money from LARP. Yeah, it's not. 
It's it's even harder than making money at a tabletop. Yeah, like you you can keep doing it and keep breaking even and do it for the love of it. Yeah, but you can't support yourself on it, which it's, is upsetting. I think, and I, I think that's kind of how it arises in that LARP is generally done for your mates. At yes, the, at the start you it, do it, it for your mates, and then it gets out of hand. Yeah, exactly. and then and then you end up inviting more and more people. But fundamentally, there's there's a problem with investment mm. and. By which I mean, um, it's sorry, investment and entitlement, in that players feel that the game is theirs, yeah. um, and in a way it is because without the players, there's no game. Um, computer games would exist without players, but unless people turn up and play your LARP, no, it doesn't. It doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. No. I mean, another interesting thing about having that much money is think about the staff you could actually have. Oh, actual actors. Not just actual actors, but first aid. Oh. Um, catering, technicians, technicians, lighting, yeah, pyro experts. But like, you could actually have a LARP that adhered to health and safety regulations without that. <laughs> no, but without that being a problem and getting in the way of the game. Oh my days, yeah, that would be amazing. The thing, the thing which I'm really excited about, something which we've always struggled with. I'd like, I'd like you to flashback to the year is two thousand and seven. Oh, I remember it well. Um, we are writing. We we are running the sec- uh, zombie. The second incident. Yes. It's two a.m. It, it in is. the morning, and you and I are dressed as doomsday preacher gods. Yep. Uh, in our, our own game. In our own game, our char- our unkillable god characters, Emerson and Kramer. Our GM insert unkillable god characters. To be fair, at that point, they weren't unkillable. No, that's true. we just didn't. We just didn't give a shit. (laughs) We just didn't give a shit. Um, We are in the women's changing rooms Mm -hmm. in pitch black because they turned the lights out with a torch trying to make a hacking program work on a borrowed laptop. Yep. And you said to me, one, we're never using tech again. And two, I'm never running zombie again. (laughs) Yes. And to your credit, both of those things are true. They were. You you have not returned to a zombie lap since. No. Nope. Oh no, no, no you, you came back for the for the fifth one. Yeah. Um, but you've not crewed a zombie lap since, and you've not. Uh, we have not used tech ever since. No, because because it's, it's so difficult without somebody dedicated to fixing it. Like it generated an incredible story when it was there, and that like, we had the hacker character on the radio to a non-hacker character teaching them how to hack. Mm. But so many problems, uh, and we are not tech savvy people. No, but Chris, imagine Chris does okay. That. Having the crew for that, having the crew for, like for people to write their own functional apps, or yeah. or being able to have like n- never mind apps which you have to get to work on every phone, being able to give people tablet computers, which interact with the game, AR in the game, yeah. VR in the game, having like, that'd be amazing, like having your having your space encounters running on a VR space flight rig. Which is which is often yeah, the like side. You, you you get in the docking bay yeah. and you sit inside the thing and to you it looks like you fly off. And it does the thing. And like, astonishing. And like and like and you could you, like you could have a helmet cam helmet cam from them, which is just their VR. Yeah. That'd be really cool. I would like to have a load of cameras in a LARP as well. I'd love to have like the capacity to have loads of monsters and loads of, like like basically Five Nights at Freddy's style, there's there's loads of cameras, but have them all work at once because that sucks. I really don't like the Five Nights and Freddy's mechanics that they have. But also, I mean, if you're looking at, in quotation marks, unlimited budget, everybody's got body cameras. Every room has security cameras in, which are actually just there. 
And then you can just give people a videotape of their LARP. Yeah. Like like those stupid pictures you get when you go down a log flume ride at Alton Towers. Mm. But good. Yeah. You can see all the reactions. You can see bits that... Because one of the things about a LARP that I always found is that you forget bits. Yeah. Because it's your blood is pumping so fast for a lot of it. You can remember it immediately afterwards, but then afterwards, but then like like a, then a few fades, days, it fades. and having a video of that would be astonishing. I, we've actually got a video, fun fact. We do, yeah. Of um of our, uh, we did it. We did a zombie larp experience day in Derby. I want to say, yeah, somewhere. And so there's there's uh, there's uh, GoPro footage from my fr- from my perspective of you running around kicking indoors <laughs> with a shotgun. Yes, wearing wearing a jumpsuit. All right, badly damaged a man. Did you? Yes. You, you, you're supposed to keep the gun pointed at the ground at all times. Right. And then bring this, because they're, they're BB shotguns, just yeah. to give you some context. Um, a gentleman of the zombie persuasion surprised me coming out of a door. A differently living person. A differently living uh, bodied person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I immediately swung the shotgun up and shot. A uh, point blank? And what he'd done was he was doing the, uh, yeah. you know, where you like extend your hands forward, zombie. Right, yeah. And I'd shot him in the palm. <sighs> that might, like, when your zombie goes, ah! Yeah. <laughs> the same thing happened to me. It's like the same, the, the same events crew. I was mm. crewing for them. And they said that, um, like, one... Zombies will have like protection over their chests, yeah, and we'll do and we'll do chest shots. And two, we're only using these uh, low power yeah. shotguns. And I walked in there immediately. They said, "All right, Grant, we're gonna we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to undo your bulletproof vest to get the uh, to get the, the 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 blood running down your shirt." Okay, cool. And I I walked on, and within three minutes, I was shot three times in the chest with a gas pistol. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, you. Bastard! <laughs> Down I go. <laughs> like it worked. In the, I'm, I'm not going to menace any players now. No, no you've, not you've, at all. You've you've you've, you've had everything I'm going to give for the day. Mm. Shall we wrap this up? I think we shall. This does mean that we've got potentially another episode fueled by Patreon. Are there any, any 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 final questions you'd like to ask me? Maybe not not, not the patrons of us, but that you've been interested in asking me throughout our relationship together. <laughs> just why? Oh, that's a big one, mate. Yeah, just keep it under two minutes. Okay. Um, I was raised very badly by my father. He meant the best for me. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, he messed up my brain. And so I've been left with a gaping hole um, where self-assurance would go. Yeah. And so instead, I've had to patch up that hole with venlafaxine. Um, and the sort of praise that can only be generated by releasing cheap cash-in games one a month. <laughs> that can only be a sort of hole that can only be filled by retweets. By retweets. Every time you retweet my tweets, I get a little bit less sad, and I've hooked myself into a dangerous cycle, uh, which now earns me money. But that's almost... That's a, only compounding the problem. That's a side effect. <laughs> uh, I've got a question for you. Yes. Why? Ah. Uh, Why this? Oh, yeah, I didn't get a choice about this. Sorry, Grant just gestured at me. I meant, I meant, <laughs> I meant your whole endealment. Um, that's that's terribly difficult to unpick. Well, you've got two minutes. I've got two minutes. I've got less than two minutes now. I've got 39 seconds. What, but, but the episode... <laughs> it's not like it's going to run to an hour and then just hard cut. Son of a narcissist and an alcoholic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and my father. 
<laughs> I would say you're one of the least narcissistic people I know. No, that is true. You've not, you've not, you've not taken that. No, I've. I've if anything, I've, you're dangerously non-narcissistic. I've doubled down on the alcoholism, but skipped the narcissism. Yes. Well. Good. And a lifetime of illnesses. That's true. You've never been well. I've never been well. No. Age twelve, I got in a car accident, and it went downhill from there. Just like you probably would have been some sort of fucking athlete. I would have been astonishing. Like we wouldn't have been friends. No. Um, oh god. No. no, you would have been like you would have been. <laughs> no, you would have been like one of those tall guys. Yeah, I would have been so cool. Like pre twelve. Yeah. I was vastly more intelligent for my age. Mm-hmm. And doing incredibly well scholastically, which obviously has continued. <laughs> I was in two different sports teams. Yeah. Like, actively playing in sports teams. Are you Nephilim? What do you mean? Uh, half angel, half human. Maybe. Because, like, they're very tall and powerful. Yeah. But then God was like, no no more of that, thanks. That sounds like Old Testament shit to me. Crash that car. <laughs> and he'd like, when, when the car crashed, did a big finger come down? I don't remember it, but it wasn't a nice car accident. Well, it's, it's fucked you up for life. It has. Yeah. Done very well on that count. This is a bit of a downer of an hour. It's a real it? downer, isn't it? Yeah. I'd like to say that we're doing okay. Like, like we make role-playing games and record podcasts for a living. Yeah, we like... This like, is some good shit, people. That's nice. And we still get sad, but not all the time. We had a lovely evening last night. It was lovely, yeah. Uh, I just want to underline that. So, thank you for listening to Hearty Dice Friends. This especially Ramshackle episode. I do like the way that we work much better when we can't see each other. Yes. I don't know what happened there. I don't know what. I don't know what the what the magic is that sparked when we can't see but can hear each other. If you've enjoyed this, you can go to patreon.com forward slash hearty dice friends and give us some money. And then it could be you who we half answer your questions <laughs> next time and then just talk about dogging. Sorry about that. That's okay. I think that's what they came here for. Yeah, it is, honestly. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can at HDF Podcast. Uh, you can also send us an email to hearty dice friends at gmail.com if you have a big old long one. Which you'd like to share with us. <laughs> Dicks. DM Grant Dick Pace. Don't, don't, I'm alright on that front. Don't, don't DM me anything saucy. DM me fun pictures you found. Okay. Of your dick. <laughs> I've to say, I've just drawn a, di- a rabbit on my dick. I'd rather, I'd rather you drew a dick on a rabbit. Nope. Okay, well, send it over, let's have a look. It's a watercolour. <laughs> It wouldn't take. Oh, it would take. <laughs> oh, it's a, I'm there for a while. <laughs> I've I've followed this white rabbit. I used a matte varnish. Hi, <laughs> matte varnish. And I'm here to talk to you about dick rabbits. <laughs> and I'm rabbit on a dick. We love you. We do. We love we everything do. about you. We love your little nose. We love your great ears. Your little fluffy tail. Your little fluffy tail. The way that you live in a hole. Shaft that you're on in the woodman. In the woodman, you live in a woodman's. In hole. the woodsman, that's a that's a pub near me. You live in a hole in the wood, um, and you have many many children. We love you, and you are a rabbit. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. We love you, and you are a rabbit. Shut your fucking. No, mouth. I love it. Yeah, I really do. <laughs>